0: Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline podcast. Back in November, I recorded an interview with Denise Monroe. Denise is the Family Life Pastor at the Embassy Church in Oshawa. And uh, in this conversation, uh, we're going to talk about some of her experiences as a newcomer to Canada when she came here in 1988 and uh, also about uh, some of her experiences as a woman in ministry, uh, some of the experiences of racism, uh, but most importantly about some of the, the, the spiritual lessons that she's learned as she's often involved in helping people in poverty. Uh, let's uh, join the conversation right now. I had just asked her to tell me a little bit about what the community of Oshawa is like. Tell us about your life. Where were, where were you born and uh, what was your journey to faith and uh, some of the uh, landmarks along the way? That's, mm. a, that's a big question. So
1: It is huge. <laughs> yeah, so
0: I'll let you take it over.
1: Thank you. um, I am native to Guyana, South America mm-hmm. and um born to parents who um, who themselves were trying to figure out who they were. and so my biological mother um, is of in East Indian descent and my father is of Afro descent and so they came together and within a short time had four children uh, of which myself and my sister we are twins and we are in the middle Uh, that's been exciting and um, I think in retrospect I realized that my biological mother was trying to find out who she, who she was. She's past now and really trying to um, find her identity. She came from a very affluent family. And so um, in that culture, they practice um, uh, arranged marriage and mm-hmm. so she was uh, married to someone that could have been her father and i think quickly quite shortly after that she became bored and decided no um i want more mm. and so she ran into the arms of my father and like i said within 4 years they had four 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 children wow um she got she got That's not what she really bargained for. She probably (laughs) wanted to have some more fun. So she ran and left us with her biological father. He was working, took a month off with the hope and expectation that she would probably return, but did not. And um, he needed to get back to work. So she ran into the arms of someone else Um, a very high status in that society and so my dad realized that there's no chance of her coming back so he took us to her and that relationship was quite abusive and um, my, uh, my biological mother said, you know, she can't handle this anymore. She's going to com she's going to poison us and commit suicide. And um just really seeing the hand of God and all of mm. that, where she was only allowed to have one friend, and she told the friend that she couldn't handle this relationship anymore. And she's just gonna escape by uh committing suicide and take us with her. And that friend told, went to the village that I came, from. Uh, that my mother, the only person I call mom is my adoptive mother, mm-hmm. and told her, and she came, and when she arrived, uh, my biological mom says, who will go with her? And they said, I pushed everyone away and ran to her. <laughs> and... um I look back on that and realize that my mom was really the best fit for me. Mm. I went into a home where they had one child and that child had already come to Canada and hence their hearts were voided for to love someone. And I came into that context of where they poured everything into me and, mm. uh, was, was very fortunate. Um, and seeing God's hand in all of that process, um, my mom and dad have loved me. Um, have poured into me everything they could. Um, they also disciplined me and I look back and I want to say that because I think, in our culture in Canada, when we think of discipline, we think of abuse, and mm-hmm. I think it's very different to discipline someone and to abuse them are really different. And yeah. um, I I was disciplined. My my mom uh-huh. and dad knew the only discipline that I feared and respected was the belt. And so <laughs> um, a few lashes on the area that God ordained for that <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly has helped me to become the person. I, I think back and said, if it hadn't been for those moments, I wonder what I would have become hmm. today. So um, they truly did it out of care. My dad would say, this really hurts me to do this but mm. I know if I don't do it it really would not I would not truly have loved you. Mm, um so yeah. um I grew up um interestingly we would play we would have dollhouse children. And I was always the pastor. We would have church as part of the dollhouse. And I would always be preaching. I don't know what I preach, <laughs> what I said. But imitating, um, you know, what I've learned and what I've seen. Uh, my my parents weren't particularly... Uh, christians they were nominal church mm-hmm. and so we went to church um specifically at christmas easter and a few other times and so um i became a, a believer in christ i like to say 15 going on to 16 and i think they were that was a crucial time in my life like i came from from a home that gave me everything anyone would needed and always had to share and, and and I even see who I am today um as a child I love to share I would always want to give to the neighbors and to to people who could not afford
0: yeah so um, your your adoptive uh, parents uh that this was in Guyana yes and uh Whatever became of uh, your twin and, and uh, your other two siblings and and uh, did did your mom uh, end her own life or did she live out her life?
1: Oh, I, so the other uh, three of my siblings, the fortunate blessing that came out, out of this is that we all were um, are adopted to one family, different members. Mm-hmm. My mom and my twin sister's mom, adoptive mom, are aunt and niece, and two other cousins adopted my other sisters. Um, both of my biological parents have passed. Mm-hmm. My biological mom and I have had some rough moments. Um uh, One incident in particular that I will share was I was, I came from a home where my adoptive parents never said anything negative about my uh, uh, biological parents. Mm -hmm. And I thought that growing up like that was incredible because there were things, no one is perfect, and there are things that they could have said that could cause me not to like. My biological, par- yes, right. my biological parents, but they really refrain from that. I remember as a child how my mother told me that I am adopted. She says, "You are so lucky to have two mothers—one that brought you into this world, and I am the one that's that 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 is um, nurturing you to help you to be all that you can be." And I. I, that was so comfortable, there wasn't a moment of where I felt, oh, this is ugly, wow, you know, any any negative feelings were not present, and um, I'm so thankful, because I know not every adoption story has gone mm-hmm. as well as mine, and um, my dad, when he was dying, my dad and I were very close too, and when he was dying, he said to me, I I love the dust you walk on, Denise. And that was not the first time I heard my dad express how much he loved me. Um, One other memory I want to share about my dad was that when I was a child, my dad would allow me to sit sit on his lap and I love leaning my ear against his chest and hear the reverberation. What you need to know is that my dad wasn't much of a talker, but I'd say, Dad, talk, talk. I want to hear you. And he would talk. I don't remember anything that he would say, but he knew why I wanted him to talk. It was so soothing. And my dad taught me what a healthy hug hug is. Mm -hmm. And if anybody would hug me and it felt uncomfortable, I would never hug that person again. Because I'm like, it needs to feel like my dad. And I think that has really protected me as I became a teenager mm-hmm. and as I become an adult. It was really incredible. So I'm so thankful for that journey. And um, Faith, going back to how I, I met Jesus, my, my twin sister's mom, this is her um, adoptive mom, came to Guyana and started a church and um, at that point I remember just crying like I as a teenager I had everything I needed but there was just this hollowness inside when I was about nine ten years old I remember thinking is this what life is I go to sleep I wake up I get ready for the day, I have breakfast, I go to school, I come back, I have lunch, I go back to school, I come back, I have dinner, I play, I go to bed. And that cycle truly, truly startled me because Mm. I could not understand, is this all to life? And it's just like my heart longed for something more. Now as an adult I realize it was the Lord was reaching out to me and I'm feeling the emptiness of life even though you can have all the necessities in place it truly doesn't meet that need that we are born with that void to truly have God seated on the heart throne of our lives and when my when my sister's mom came she started a church with the Assemblies of God back in Guyana, Mm -hmm. I became a believer and I did everything possible that you can imagine. I was so on fire for the Lord. Everyone I met, I told them about Jesus. I gave them a track. I invited them to church. And for several villages in my uh, community, attached to my community, I went to their door, knocking on their door, talking with them, praying with them. Some were Hindus, some were Muslims, some were people who were nominal Christians, some were Christians, encouraging them and challenging them to serve the Lord. And I did that right until I came to Canada.
0: (laughs) It sounds to me like uh, God's calling in your life and uh, what he was preparing you for in life actually started right right from the the, the youngest age as a child mm-hmm. he was he was wiring you, and even that nine or ten year old girl questioning, "Is this all there is to life?" you know if if a a small child uh, were to say that to us, we'd think, "Oh, wow, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's." Just, you're, you're kind of deep, aren't you? But, (laughs) but God was, uh, giving you a sense of your own uniqueness. You were not the same as everybody else and and that there was something going to take shape, right?
2: Yes. Hi, my name is EJ and I want to invite you to come to our city conference on February 25th, 2023. Our City Conference is an urban ministry training event for people serving in urban ministry contexts. Our cities matter. Our city matters. In the 2021 census, it said that 73.7% of Canada's population live in urban centers. We are intentionally designing this event to help give urban ministry practitioners better tools on how they can serve their community better. We are praying that this event will not only encourage you and help you to serve your community better. We're also hoping that a bunch of us can get together and learn from one another. Register today. Go to our website, ourcitytoronto.ca. We'll even feed you. Food is part of the registration. Our City, Jane and Finch, February 25th, 2023. See you there.
0: let's uh, fast forward the story to um uh, coming to canada what age and uh and uh i i believe you have have a family of your own and uh so tell us uh <laughs> tell us about that
1: okay wonderful i came to canada in 1988 um and i came primarily to go to eastern pentecostal bible college oh yes um and that was a journey coming Mm -hmm. from a tropical country i remember the morning (laughs) leaving Guyana, the luscious greenery as Mm -hmm. you ascend and descending in toronto i'm like how come the trees are dead Because I came December 23rd. Oh, my goodness. And so back then, the the snow were mountains. They were as equally tall as the buildings. And so I'm like, this is weird. So I touched down, and in my summer outfit, everything is not (laughs) right. But fortunately, my twin sister and her parents met me at the airport with with a heavy coat and boots. And I'm like, this is very heavy, very. (laughs) Uh, But I quickly had to adjust, Um, started as a midtermer at EPBC. Um, The first day arriving on campus, it was a sheet of ice. I've never walked, had many falls, but I got up and keep going. And so um, it was a journey. And, you know, looking back and to see the deposits of my parents, the confidence that they had encouraged and nurtured came into it. Here I am at a school. um, I had more of an accent than I do now. And so even communication was... Different mm-hmm. um, food was so different. I come mm-hmm. from a very spicy culture, You're right? Um, right. In terms of the tastes, um, and here I am, a lot of bland food. But you know what? I love the body of Christ is the same wherever you go. Mm-hmm. There may be cultural differences and nuances, but. The core, we are the same. I quickly became a, a founder family at um, EPBC and yeah. um, got um, it. My first semester was a challenge battling the coal. Um, oh, you must have thing. wondered if
0: you'd ever be warm again. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I come to Canada? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> But as I braved through that first semester and um, really enjoy that, uh, my professors and I were friends. Mm -hmm. Um, My friends were incredible. I I still have those friends today as we journey through. When Mm -hmm. I came to Canada, um, I was there for four years and the miracles that God worked in terms of finances, of helping me to graduate with, without being indebted. So starting afresh, um, my journey there was really helpful. And now I look back and I'm like, I would do it no other way. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: because I think one of the incredible things, because I've graduated with, uh, with so many persons from there, everywhere i go in ministry circles there are people that i have known and, and you know it the connection is still oh,
0: there oh yeah yeah so
1: so that really was a great experience for me yeah.
0: i think uh you know when most people that go through um even from public school right up to post secondary uh usually there's you know one or two or three teachers that were just really special to us uniquely and uh do you have any uh any favorites when you were in bible college any teachers that uh, you just felt like you got uh you got something really special from being in their class i mean i know they're all good mm-hmm. but some yes. are good some are gooder than others
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think there's teaching styles will fit different ones that's right that's right
0: so who 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 did it for you
1: um you know i really like david kennedy kennedy um Mm -hmm. just he wasn't he was really great at at the material he taught Mm -hmm. but he came with heart he was interested in the student Mm -hmm. who who were present, and the deposits he has made. When you leave his class, it made you feel like you're a person. Mm. Another person that I really have enjoyed, um, there are two others. Um, One is Ron Kidd. Oh, yeah. Yes, just the passion. And what I love about the teachers, you could have gone to their To their office, and they Mm -hmm. will make time with you uh, to to work through some challenges you might be encountering, Mm -hmm. as well as to let you know that you are valid. You know, you're valued, is what I meant to say.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: You're valued not only for paying your tuition, (laughs) but as a person going into ministry. They wanted to leave that uh, deposit that you will carry through your journey. So I think those were two. There are others that have really, I have learned a lot from watching, from observing.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Many of them have invited me into their homes. I babysat some of their children and all of that. So it has been um just the the human touch and when they shared their experiences with us it was they didn't they were like the bible doesn't hide the negative or their their shortcomings right. you know they made you feel yes you are a good fit for ministry as well right i don't right. come perfect
2: <laughs> right um right. so
1: that was i really those are some of the things that I have really cherished mm. um, from some of my professors.
0: Yeah, um, as a um, uh, newcomer to Canada in 1988, uh, Canadian uh, culture has certainly changed a lot mm-hmm. since 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? Uh, how were you uh, treated and respected uh, as an outsider? Mm-hmm. Or a newcomer, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, have you had experiences where people have discriminated against you because uh, because you're brown, or mm-hmm. uh, because uh, of being a, a woman or a woman mm-hmm. in ministry? what mm-hmm. What's been your experiences?
1: Um, you know, coming from Guyana, I did everything in the church—from um, cleaning the church to preaching everything. So. Yeah. When I came to Canada, I think what startled me is to uh, realize that women were not quite valued and respected in ministry. Like, um, it was that if you were a woman, there was this struggle. I'm like, why is the struggle? Um, I don't understand it. Um, And then, you know, you grow into the culture. But in Bible college, I don't... um, I don't I can't recall anyone discriminating against me student mm-hmm. teachers or professors. Mm-hmm. I I I did had a situation. I was working in the cafeteria and there was mm-hmm. this one young man who was from the community. He was working there and um it was he I don't know what happened, but he called me the N-word. Oh, boy. And I think I didn't – nobody – there were about two other persons there with us in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And no one said anything. And I thought I shouldn't say anything because I probably will come across as a troublemaker, you know. But maybe just letting it die off and that, that would be it. And that was the truth. Nobody said anything. I said nothing. But I think I came with such confidence that that didn't really affected me. I'm like, I'm sorry for you if that's how you see me.
0: Yeah. Um, Because
1: I know that that's not who I am. So I actually brushed it off. But in retrospect, I think nobody said anything. I'm thinking... Mm. They didn't, maybe it was their first encounter too. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know, I didn't complain. So they probably didn't know how to navigate that. Neither right. did I. Right. But I didn't allow that to bother me. Uh, so, in terms of the context of the school, I think I felt very valued.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they love what I brought to the table,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, was never afraid to speak. I, I, am, I think I'm a very kind person. Mm-hmm. And so that, that actually paved the way for me. And I always shared my, um, the experience uh, from a Guyanese perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was really valued. It was appreciated. So I don't have um, in the church, uh, except for that, one incident, this person was not from the Bible college, and so there was one other incident I had. They weren't people of faith um mm-hmm. i was um I was at Parkdale Church in Hamilton I was working there for the summer, and I was going for lunch, and two guys, two caucasian guys in in a sports car with the roof down, and they saw me, and they just yell about the N-word again. And I I have to tell you, that time, I felt very nervous because Mm. it felt like there was venom when they said it. And there wasn't anybody else around. I'm like, what if they were to turn around and come after me? And so I must say, that one affected me. But these weren't people of faith. Mm-hmm. that have said these things. So I felt very safe in the church. Again, I never said anything. I went home and I didn't say anything to my twin sister. I was with my twin sister and her her parents. and But never said anything because I think it's the confidence. I know who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. And these were just people who did not know me right. uh, that said these things. So – um I think if, if a Christian person had said that to me who knew me, I might have handled it differently.
0: Right. But, that wouldn't but the, reflect Jesus at all. You know, exactly. He, <clears throat> Jesus uh, teaches us uh, about who, who is my neighbor and, yes. and, uh, and we're called into this kingdom where every tribe and every nation, mm-hmm. uh, comes together. Yes. And, uh, and it doesn't mean that we all turn beige, you know, no. we, we, yeah. we bring our experience, our culture, our color, yes. our language and, and uh, that becomes uh, just part of the rich fabric of the mm. kingdom of God. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. Yeah, I think when I came to Canada, I think of the scripture that was always, uh, was that there is no male or female. We're right. all one in Christ. I really embraced that because I was yeah. experiencing it now in yeah. a different setting, a different culture, different people group.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to know who you are in the yes. Lord. and and yes. uh, um, So, yeah, um, how did uh, after after Bible College, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you've uh, had some experiences, and now you're at the embassy embassy church M- yes yeah. and and uh, tell us about um, how how did you get involved in your role at the Embassy? And uh, what what are uh, what's what's the embassy like? I've never visited there.
1: (laughs) Right. I'm just going to bridge it a bit between Bible College and there. Yeah. yeah. So once I finished Bible College, I went up north to um, Weagamau Lake, which is Mm -hmm. a native reserve or uh, also known as Rung Lake. And I went there when there was that. Um, epidemic of suicide going on, and just 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 love the people. Enjoyed spent a year and a half there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and from there I went back to Guyana for six years. Mm. Um, the highlight of that going back to Guyana for six years was where I worked with all the different denominations within my village and community, and we came together. Um, to help our young people, because a lot of them were, were turned off off of church because mm-hmm. everybody's preaching, my church is better than that church instead of <laughs> preaching the message of right. Christ. And so, you know, young people already have a lot of challenges and decisions to make. They're not going to go, they're not going to put themselves where that becomes a challenge instead of a help. So we gathered together. There were the Baptists, the Adventists, the Anglican, um, the Assemblies of God, and about four other denominations. Mm-hmm. We came together. And Kevin, it was incredible to see the response of young people filling up the churches. Wow. Because we united in Christ and yeah. preached Christ. So we did. We did VBS, uh, we did uh, uh, marriage se- uh, seminars, we did crusades together, and people chose where they want to go. And, and that was really incredible. Then I came back to Canada after six years and went to Tyndale. Um, so I completed a master's in theology there. And from there, I went to Aging Court Pentecostal Church, which is now oh, I've been called there. One Church. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. And I was there for 13 years. Oh, and it was an incredible journey. Mm. I come from a small church, so I never, ever dreamt that I would be placed in a large church. So when Aging Court came uh, came after me to find out if I could You know, if I'd like to serve with them, I was like, God, this, you know, I'm such a social person. I will be a misfit in a big church. And the (laughs) Lord said to me, I have to tell you, I sat at my computer. The Lord says, no, you are the right fit. That's what they need. And I went there and served um, in pastoral care, did life groups, um, we did what was called singles and it was, it was a very broad definition for singles and mm-hmm. it was a mature singles group. The, it went to, to, to the extent of where you could be married, but you were single in your faith because if mm. you're single in your faith, you can go to the marriage uh, events mm-hmm. because your spouse isn't there with you. So, but we have seen people from all across the GTA that came to mm-hmm. events. When we did a trip, we had two buses. One year we had three buses. I'm like, no, three buses is too much. But just to see the growth. And in my last year, I, um, I led um, one of their um, satellite churches. Um, and from there, I felt, I was feeling a restlessness for years and the Lord was prepping me for this. And, 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 uh, January 1st, 2017, I submitted my, uh, my resignation and, um, I know they weren't ready for that, um, uh, but we worked through that and, um, J- February 1st. I was off and Mm -hmm. for six months, um, I did not know where I was going and but I had a Mm peace and God took care of me uh, during those six months and one day uh, during the spring. I was helping someone to mow their lawn. Their husband had cancer, and he actually eventually passed away. And so I went and helped them to mow their lawn. And I realized I missed a call And uh, when I got home. And so I thought, I don't know that number. During uh, during the evening time, I called the number, and it says uh, the embassy church. I'm like, I don't even know the embassy church. <laughs> But I said, Lord, if if it's really meant for me, they'll call me back. So two days later, I got a call. I saw the number and I answered and it was Pastor um, Pastor Doug Schneider Mm. um, interviewed me and he says, we don't have a pool of people. So do you want this job? And I said, yes, I wanted it. Um, And I started there August 1st. Uh, Yeah, August 1st, 2017. Hmm. Unfortunately, Pastor Doug has passed away since then, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, He has been there like for 40 years
2: Wow, um,
1: to the day of his burial, it was forty days e- forty years he had completed, um had was diagnosed suddenly um, mm-hmm. uh, with a brain tumor, mm-hmm. and uh, within the year he passed away. and that mm. was very difficult for um our church. But, you know, God, I'm amazed in a retrospect you see the hand of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Doug brought Pastor Leon van Verden mm-hmm. from the Netherlands, and he was there for for, for five years. And um, the transition was cushioned because he was there for a while. So the familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so when in our grief, we did not have to get used to someone else uh, um, so right. the consistency, the continuity of that journey really cushion us as, as we um, as we continue to grieve and process that.
0: Right, right. So, uh, Pastor Doug passed. Was it uh, in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one when he passed?
1: It was twenty twenty one. He was diagnosed in twenty twenty one yes
0: yes and he, he, he went quickly yes. after his diagnosis yeah yes he did mm. he did he did well it's uh it's quite a quite a journey for a church to mm-hmm. to lose a pastor that way or anyway yes oh uh, uh, yeah but it's interesting and, uh, because god mm-hmm. god was setting up a team that yeah. would would be there to love and to care and yes. uh to to help people as as collectively you're grieving right Mm
1: -hmm. yes yes and i think it was good that um you know when you when you're grieving in isolation it's very painful Mm -hmm. our fellowship has been really good Uh, our district um it was then um craig burton Mm -hmm. um now it's jason loscombe and Mm -hmm. Um, they've journeyed with us and continue to journey with us. And I think we are at a really healthy place in yeah. our grieving.
0: Yeah. So you, you have the uh, auspicious title of family life pastor. What does yeah. that mean?
1: <laughs> I feel like it means a little bit of everything.
0: <laughs> Just like family, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but it really, I am so enjoying that role. Uh, um, when I came on my, it, they were four quadrants that it was, um, uh, that lent itself to that title. And uh, one was life groups. Um we had a simulation for newcomers. Um, pastoral, we call it care—the care side of the church—and mm-hmm. then the discipleship um, of walking people n- new to Christ and wanting to belong to belong to the church. Mm-hmm. Those were the four quadrants that 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 title. Now it's um, it's similar, um, but it it in. Includes the under care, there are so many things that fall on the care. We have something recently we have introduced is baby dedication. We call it child community dedication. And what it is, it's done on Saturdays from mm-hmm. 10 to 11 and from 11 to 12. We have a finger food reception. And so we, the first, I've done this two weeks ago for the second time. The mm-hmm. first time we did seven, seven children.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But what we do the Monday leading to the dedication on the Saturday, we do a class and that class helped the parents to be connected and to feel um, that, to feel connected for the Saturday. You're mm-hmm. not coming in and it feels strange for an hour Um, And the families are there. So this has been very effective because people, we get to know the families. Mm -hmm. And um, so many, we we have a family, we are located in Oshawa and this family came from Peterborough to have their child dedicated. And now they drive down to to Oshawa Weekly for service and I'm like, Lord, and it all started with the baby dedication. So, um, it's I do care, um, which helps me to connect with the community as well as the needs within Mm -hmm. our church, um, where people are having practical needs, uh, financial Mm -hmm. needs, um, uh, relational needs, Mm -hmm. and and you Mm -hmm. know, uh, as human beings, we come with all kinds of needs and situations, so, um. I would be one of the first persons they will encounter. Um, do uh, I'm in charge of what's called um, Make Embassy Your Home. So what I've been doing in this season post-COVID post, uh, is to really train a lot of volunteers and equipping them, investing in volunteers. Mm-hmm. That's something that's very mm-hmm. huge in my portfolio. Um, empowering them to serve, uh, replicating myself in so many other persons, so that um, there is no one is pointing to me, mm-hmm. but helping people. Together we serve because the only person that this should be about is Jesus. Right. We are just his right. hands, and so equipping people to do that. So that's a huge, a huge part. Of Of what I do at the embassy Church. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So part of that puts you in touch with uh, people in the community that maybe are looking for help and uh, or people that get referred to you. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how much uh, of your time takes you outside of uh, the the church ministry and into uh, community?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um it's um it's probably a little challenging for me to gauge correctly, mm-hmm. but I would say about thirty to forty percent because it is um connecting with counselors outside of our church, mm-hmm. um r- making referrals to one of the huge need within our nation. Yeah. and And particularly in in Ontario is housing. Mm. And so this is huge. So because sometimes we've had people from within our congregation who who've had to spend some time in shelters mm-hmm. Uh to because cost of living has escalated. Um, and their resources have not increased. right. And so it is trying to help them to bridge that in in a healthy and in the most effective ways by linking with resources within our community. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody, somebody's neighbor might come in because of a person who's attending the embassy church. Mm-hmm because they hear that we're able to help. And um, like yesterday I had a call from this lady. She says I'm sick. I'm I'm I have some disabilities. I I don't have a car but I have nothing to eat. I'm diabetic. Mm. And so we had to figure out a way of getting some gift cards to her where right. she's able to get some stuff. So totally she doesn't even know where we're located. Um, someone would have given her the number. This is a church that you can call, yeah. and um, a- and so it, it is a lot of interaction with the community. Not only through me, we have an evangelism and missions department mm-hmm. that we we go into the community do uh, doing street ev- evangelism. We mm-hmm. support other organizations that are uh, feeding ho- feeding the homeless. And um, we have something that I'm doing this Christmas, is called Christmas Give, and it's for families uh, that are in need and they receive a turkey, they receive groceries, they receive a gift card. If they have children of a certain age, they will receive a toy. The, uh, and that sort of a thing to help them to celebrate Christmas and mm. to and and you know it also talks about what the Embassy Church is all about. We're about community, about people coming in and finding a place to belong and and inner church has reflected the diversity that exists within um, our city of mm-hmm. Oshawa uh, so it is a place that you can belong and a safe place to encounter God through encountering persons within our church. When you come in through the worship, through the word. So everything is focused on an encountering God through these avenues Mm -hmm. and through, through those who are gathered to worship the Lord. So Uh, We've had people who just saw the church and just walked in and want to be a part of it. So um, our presence in our community is very important, very, very valuable. Uh, One of our missions pastor has been able to connect with some of the homes and the senior homes in Oshawa. And Mm -hmm. now they're allowing us to go in and to do a program for them, so it is reaching reaching our our city with the love of Jesus, um, and truly giving them that uh, that opportunity to encounter His love and seems, His grace.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that uh, you know uh, Israel kept falling short, and I think sometimes we as the church can fall short in uh, god's injunctions to care for the widow care for the orphan Mm -hmm. uh care for the stranger in your land the newcomers Mm -hmm. and and uh you know um we uh um it's so easy to um get a a little bit uh jaded Mm -hmm. as a christ follower towards people in need or people that uh You know, you think, well, why are they in that situation? Why don't they just fill in the Mm -hmm. blank, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but um, what are some of the things that, uh, what are some of the the practices of your heart? What are some of the uh, uh, values that you cultivate and some of the wisdom that you're gaining from uh, constantly caring for people in in their need, in their distress. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. I treat, one of the things I have learned is that to treat everyone with value and respect.
0: Everyone.
1: Um, I think it is so challenging for people who are reaching out for help. A lot of them it's a difficult task for them. It's uncomfortable, it's being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. Um, not knowing how you would be received. And so when I think of where they're coming from, if I were that person, how would I have wanted someone to receive me? Mm -hmm. And so it's part of my philosophy of life treat others the way i want to be treated even if i don't make sense would someone try to understand me and help me to say Mm -hmm. and express myself the way i need to and sometimes i i i i always try to disarm people that way and say look you take your time Say what you need to say. I will ask for clarity if I need to. But please feel free and say what you need to say the way you know how to. And sometimes people are coming with pain, with hurt. Mm -hmm. Their previous experience, they might have been hurt and wounded. And so they're coming defensively to you thinking that maybe you'll do the same thing so i'm coming but i'm coming defensively and i'm saying lord help me to hear what they're not saying help me to hear louder than their behavior what the true need is and that really helps me to 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 get to the heart of the matter And Mm -hmm. then they realize I'm not here to judge. We're not here to judge as a church. And so they're quicker to say, you know, to apologize sometimes. And says, "I know I was. I came in a bit harsh (laughs) with you, um, but thank you for listening." And I said, "It's okay. I understand that." Um, yes, and it's accepted. Your apology is accepted. <laughs> but yes, I want you to know, it. I understand you're coming from a difficult place mm-hmm. and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So I think just treating others the way I would want to be treated, realizing that people are coming from different worlds. Um, something I see quite often from a particular people group they will dress very well, but they're very much in need, and Mm -hmm. if you're to look at their appearance, you're like, why are you coming here? Right. But part of their coping skills and mechanism is to to look well, not to carry my needs. So they may comb their hair nicely, they may dress nicely, but it's their coping mechanism. And so judging we really need to to leave judging at the door judgment is not for us it's the lord who does that and we don't see the you know i think of um uh, john chapter 3 verse 17 that jesus did not send his son into the world to condemn the world right but through him they might be saved and so sometimes as a church. Um, people feels condemned, but that's not the role of the church. is no. to Is to give them that encounter mm-hmm. to 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 experience Jesus in their time of need. And so part of that is not to judge anyone. Um, mm. Somebody may come looking well, but I need to hear their heart. Mm. And when I listen, I I learned this from Watchman Nee. He says that you know, listen to what's being said and what's not being said. And so uh, I try to practice good listening mm-hmm. and to ask questions that I think they may not know how to how to raise the subject, how to raise the issue. Um, and so those are some of the things I have learned to really put myself in that person's place.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true, you know, and and but it, it's also uh, something that we have to continually tend to, right? Because yes. the, the heart, the heart can harden up so quickly. Yes. Self-interest can take over mm-hmm. so easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, judgment waits at the door, you know. Yes. You know, one of the things, uh, I got one, one more um, question for you. And, um, you know, as uh, one of the realities of Canadian culture is uh, that uh, we have um, a, a high level of immigration. Uh, the, uh, in the coming year, uh, the figure is uh, 500,000 people that will uh, come into Canada from other nations of the world. And uh, part of the immigration policy uh, it has to do um, with uh, declining birth rates. It
2: mm-hmm.
0: Has to do in yes. some cases with uh, gaps in the workforce. Uh, there's there's many many in, ingredients in in an immigration mm-hmm. policy, and and I'm not here to really unpack all of that, mm-hmm. except to say that um, God uses the shifting of people from nation to nation he already always has Mm -hmm. to uh to be a part of establishing uh the proclamation of the gospel and and uh to uh, teach us more about the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. and uh, we now uh in canada um are increasingly having people from other nations coming to canada Mm uh to share the gospel, to, uh, to be ministers of the gospel, and, and uh, you know, you were one of the, uh, the early arrivals, 1988, <laughs> God called you to Canada, a, a huge cross-cultural shift, yeah. a huge climate shift, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yet um, it's so apparent that, mm-hmm. um, that God gave you a heart for Canada for Canadians, mm-hmm. and um, as you have um, now for uh, over 30 years, um, been a Canadian and uh, worked uh, worked with the Lord in Canada, tell me a bit about um, what are the needs that you see in Canadians as you um, think about uh, your perspective? Uh, as originally, as a non-Canadian, now as a Canadian, mm-hmm. you know what what's what's got up to and and um, what are some of the things that you see uh, are needs in, say, people that are Canadian born and have been here for generations?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah um I think um I think it's a great thing that Canada is doing, allowing people. To come to this can- to this country, and um, so many are given a good opportunity, and a large percentage are really making good use of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, um, if Canada is opening its doors, rightfully so, provision to to help those that are coming um, new to Canada to able to have a starting point Mm -hmm. and to able to build on that. Um, Something that has concerned me, and uh, like I said, I work with the aboriginal peoples for a Mm -hmm. year and a half, and Mm -hmm. um, my time at Agent Court Pentecostal Church, I did several short-term mission trips to to Canada, to Northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. And sometimes doing those trips, I felt like I was in a uh, developing country just five, six hours outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the luxury and the community we do have in, in this part of Ontario, it's not always um, easily accessible. Um, communities are spread far apart and uh, you almost function in isolation. Employment looks different mm-hmm. in these communities. And so we don't realize that these things are just outside of our doorsteps of Toronto. And um, so I have really developed a heart for for Canadians as well. Um, and one of my observation is that um, while we make provisions for uh, newcomers to Canada, it it almost is at the expense of uh, of Canadian born Canadians. Um, and And this is what I mean. Um, i I don't think I'm making a judgment here, mm-hmm. but I've been working with the community. I've been working um, with people outside of the church context and even within the church context, I I have been opening the subject up to different individuals uh, and, and I've been finding that so many resources are available for new to Canada, but those who are Canadians Uh, Born Canadians, there aren't that many. Um, And whatever is there, they have to fight so much for it. And, you know, we live in a world where there's a lot of anger that exists already. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to be proactive in things. I don't like to be reactive to allow a situation to develop and then find a solution um, and I think that's why this is really concerns me, um, that we, we definitely, um, from within our churches, our uh, governments, municipal, provincial, federal, really I think would need to look into this to begin to provide making accessibility to resources not only to newcomers yes to newcomers but it should never be at the expense of Canadians, uh, born Canadians last Christmas I when I listened, uh, I me- I alluded early on to Christmas give that we'll be doing again this mm-hmm. year I had a family called and I would sometimes call this is not somebody from our church they're from our community um, and so I got caught up with other things and forgot to call them. But they called and they said, you know, we don't want gifts. We just want food for Christmas. Uh. I cannot tell you how that struck me. And this is a situation where the gentleman um, is blind. Um, He was living on his own. He had his dog and he had to put his dog down because he couldn't afford. He had to uh, give up his apartment, move in with his mother. And they don't have anything for Christmas. Um, and these are born Canadians.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that shook my heart. It touched a part that I don't think was touched before. And this is not isolated. I work right. with persons who, who who are in need of somewhere to live and the priority isn't given to them because they are born Canadians. Um, it's given to newcomers, to Canada. Um, I think justice needs to happen where mm-hmm. there is accessibility for all is present because one day i went out with a couple of persons who were canadian born and i said let me just open this up to hear what um how they're feeling or is this just something that i'm experiencing one works with the police and the other is in healthcare and they said it is true it says, and they said you know it hurts us um to see that this is happening I have had other um other conversations uh with other persons, and it is becoming something that that's becoming an irritant um uh, to to others and it is something and i really as uh my role at the embassy church, I make sure that because our church is very diverse that Everyone has access to the same resources. Um, And it doesn't matter if you're new to Canada, we will help you. Mm -hmm. If you are Canadian born, um, something that I have heard um, that, you know, people that are born in Canada are lazy, and it hurts me because, contrary to that, I know a lot of Canadians who are hard workers uh, who have really been in the trenches to get where they are today. And so I do believe that in every people group, there are those, there are some who are lazy, uh, but that should not be uh, the definition of a people group because that's really a, a minor aspect in, that's present in, in each people group. And so I think that there needs to be some education going on mm-hmm. and the av- availability of resources for everyone. Um, when, you, wh- when you are in a culture that's affluent, uh, you may have the choice of, of not being readily wanting to do certain menial tasks versus someone who may be coming from a country that that they would never have had that opportunity that might gravitate and jump to it uh, um, as a step in the right direction for them to, to develop and grow and blossom. But I think everything needs to be understood within the, its rightful context so that we don't run away with these lies that are that are becoming um, a definition for us.
0: I think I think this is so intriguing because um, you're not a uh, white Canadian-born person saying white Canadians aren't aren't getting treated fairly, you know. And yes. uh, and and I think that you know really what uh, what I see and what you're saying is that. Uh, you know, our um, conscience as Christ followers mm-hmm. is to have a much more nuanced definition of the people that are in our community mm-hmm. and and to uh, see them as they are, not as yes. others have, mm-hmm. have said, well, that's what characteristic of mm-hmm. that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's, uh, that's certainly uh, a value that emanates from Jesus. Um, and it, it should emanate from every follower of Jesus. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes. So maybe that's, uh, something that, uh, that we in our churches, we, as, as Christ followers need to, mm. to really do is, is fine tune our, um, mm. uh, our definition, right? Yes, you can, yes. you can have a really grainy photo and it's hard to tell what it is, or you can have a high de- uh, you know, ultra high def. Yes. and and see the 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 tiniest little hair grown out of the <laughs> nose you know yes. Yes. and uh, god part of god giving us vision is mm. giving us high definition vision yes not just yes. the grainy pictures
1: that's right that's right yeah, yeah. And, and i think uh, i probably should um should clarify that i do uh, i'm not talking here about when when i when I identify the need of born Canadian, it is not to empower anyone who might be against new to ca- new to Canada no, no, that's folks. Right. This is not that. It is it is really recognizing the validity of a need that's growing, uh, and to um, and to to properly understand and respond yep. to it before it becomes a crisis you're sharpening
0: that... a, a sharpening a lens here you're you're getting yes. better focus on it yeah and, and we all need to we all need mm-hmm. to yes yeah definitely. well uh it's it's been a delight uh denise to uh, spend this time with you and uh So um, if I happen to be in uh, Oshawa one of these days, I'll have to swing by the embassy and see it for myself.
1: Please do. You are most welcome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so great to spend this time with you. Thank you for uh, just sharing your heart. And uh, even as you were talking about being the little girl, you know, pushing to who would become your stepmom, you know, say, you know, who wants to go with her really and you productive. just stepped yeah. up. And, and I, yeah. I just see that that's, that's a consistent personality in you that mm. uh, you're, you want to go where the love is, don't you? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yes, Amen. yes, yes.
1: <laughs> definitely. And give some after receiving some.
0: Amen. Yes. Thank you, Denise, for sharing your ministry insights with us on the podcast. On my next episode, I'm going to be having a conversation with Charles Hermelink. Charles and I work together at Mission Canada, and uh, I'm the urban ministry consultant. He's the cultural language group consultant. A significant amount of Canada's population growth uh, is through immigrant cultures. And, uh, and, and that is also true of church growth in Canada, that much of our church growth and expansion is happening on the cutting edge of cultural language groups. Uh, Charles also uh, has uh, quite a bit of involvement in uh, outreach to Muslims in Canada. So uh, that'll be an interesting conversation as we think about uh, how we can uh, engage in, in ministry in our Canadian cities uh, with uh, people that are newcomers and uh, so please join us for the next episode and until then I'm your host Kevin Rogers and you're listening to Sidewalk Skyline podcast